Welcome to The Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. We'd like to welcome today Francisco Bideau, Head of Quantitative Research and Portfolio Manager at Cognios Capital. He speaks to us from their world headquarters in Leewood, Kansas. Francisco, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Good morning, Charlie. Thanks for having me on today. So, Francisco, you started uh, coming out of college with an electromechanical engineering degree and then graduate degrees in mathematics and economics. So if you and I went out to lunch, it would be hard for us to find common things to talk about here. So uh, give us a brief a brief background of yours, will you, and uh, how you ended up at Cognos and how you made the transition from uh, mechanical engineering and mathematics over to the world of uh, investments. Certainly. So um, I am Francisco Bidot. I am a portfolio manager at Cognos Capital, a quantitative investment management firm located in Leewood, Kansas. And I oversee all the growth strategies here at Cognos, including our long-short growth strategy and our large-cap large cap growth mutual fund. I've been in the investment industry for almost 20 years and joined Cognos in 2013. Uh, before that, I was a senior quantitative research for another large mutual fund company here in Kansas City. And to answer your question, Charlie, in regard uh, to my academic background, well, I always, you know, maybe I should start with a little bit of an anecdote. Uh, when I was young, say seven or eight year olds, I liked to draw airplanes and rocket ships. You know, I'm a product of the 60s cultures and so on. And so, on. so I grew up with a space age, being amazed by, tr- by putting men on the moon and so on. So uh, I used to draw my airplanes and my rockets when I was like every, well, like a lot of kids did back then, but I was a little different. I used to do the inside of the rocket. I wanted to see where the engines were, you know, where I put the stabilizers and things like that. So it's basically, uh, you know, we all have our blessings, and my blessing was to be an analytical thinker. So that led me to mechanical engineering, electromechanical. That just means, as a, uh, in my case, it's a major in mechanical engineering with a minor in electrical. And then after that, I did economics in Arizona and mathematics at NYU. So it's uh, the common thread is really analytics. And uh, I spent a lot of time teaching when I was in college uh, as a TA and so on, and I taught my own classes and designed my own syllabus at NYU, too. So, uh, you know, uh, contrary to what some might think, Charlie, I can, we can actually have a great conversation, you know, because I'm, I'm really used to uh, translating a lot of these complicated concepts to something more practical that everybody can understand. Well, good, good. And so we look forward to that today here. Uh, so, by the way, uh, we had... Um Gary DeCenzo uh, on here earlier, and we talked with Gary uh, several times. Your fortune, he's a great guy, CEO of Cognios Capital. And uh, sorry he couldn't join us today, but we're very grateful to have you. So uh, we're going to talk about the long-short growth strategy today. Tell us basically about that strategy, will you, Francisco? Absolutely. So it's, Let's see. It's basically a great idea married with a very unique investment process, and that's, that's just a good recipe. So let's go ahead and talk about the idea first. So it's a modern adaptation of a classic earnings momentum strategy, which is founded on earnings and revenues acceleration. So uh, this is a strong, strong economic foundation and went from where to build um, you know, a lot of long-only strategies. But in the, in the short strategy, what we figured out at Cognos is how to make it work on the short side as well. 
And really the key to that is really uh, the insight or the, uh, you know, our the research that led us to uh, uncover that our, you know, that the long, both the long side and the short side of any particular factor, uh, you know, lack symmetry. And how to exploit that symmetry is really, uh, or lack of symmetry, is really key. So what that means for us is essentially that we like to go long or invest in companies, long investing on companies that have strong earnings and revenues acceleration. And then we like to short everything else as long as very few people like it. And the other few people include value investors, growth investors in general. So we designed our quantitative systems really to help us navigate those waters, point us where we know we're strong, and then tell us all the other things that we don't like and why we don't like it. And that opens up quite a, a number of opportunities. For the long short product, we are 130% long and 60% short. So we are a bit more aggressive uh, on the long side. And that's because we basically believe the markets do go up over time. And that what some investors might need would be some cushioning uh, for those um, rough periods. Okay, so Francisco, tell us now that this is a little bit different here. Uh, so you guys look at momentum, but not on price, on earnings and revenue. So do you just wait for the earn for the earnings uh, uh, report uh, every quarter as we're going through right now, or do you uh, look at an, uh, analysts' uh, estimates of earnings, or do you use the guidance numbers? How do you come up with those earnings numbers and revenues? Right. Well, the answer is sort of all of the above. Um, it is true that during earnings seasons, you know, we get uh, things become a lot more lively. <laughs> and uh, they move a lot quicker and so on. But before the earnings uh, disclosures, uh, there's analyst expectations that can vary from day to day, which create a, generate buy opportunities if, you know, they meet our criteria. So basically, uh, we have a quantitative system um, and a quantitative score called the F-score, which is F as in fundamental score or financial score, either one fits the bill. And what we do there is essentially characterize what we believe is the, it's our way of looking at earnings and revenues momentum. And you're right. We first look at the earnings and revenues momentum, and then, you know, uh, and if we can get it with a little bit of the uh, price momentum as we like to have it, then it's a great thing. So that other part of our process is characterized with with another score, with another quantitative score, which we call the M score as a momentum score. But the primary driver is really the fundamentals. We do not like to chase trends uh, for the sake of chasing trends. So that's one way how we differ from what people might consider a you know a traditional momentum strategy. We like to be really uh, more fundamentally founded. So we look at earnings acceleration first, and then we couple that with a momentum score. And that has its great advantages. One of them is that if there's a company that has good earnings and doesn't, the market doesn't seem to care, well, that's not a good fit for us. So I see. avoid falling in love with stocks. Okay. So let's just take a company that um, misses on earnings, okay? So uh, say they, they miss significantly. Are you waiting for that and you pounce on it and short them immediately? Or or do you take your time on this and, and look at guidance and, again, the analysts and other things and then maybe short them a month later or something like that? Right. It, it's a combination of all the above. But in, it's, essentially, we do not overreact or try not to overreact or underreact to uh, earnings announcements or anything like that. Our process really doesn't require that at all. So what we do is we take a position sometimes way ahead of the earnings announcements, and sometimes we, if we need to exit, because it doesn't meet our quantitative thesis, then we probably exit you know, with patience and really uh, exercising judgment. Uh, an example of that would be, for example, AMD. 
um, uh, some time ago, they reported weak numbers for the current for the reporting the quarter they were reporting. However, they provided better guidance. So in that case, as you can imagine, our quantitative scores, which rely on past information, were a little bit on the weak side. And it says, well, you might want to think about selling it. But then we have another part of our process, uh, by the way, which which we call quantactive, and that's for a reason because it's part quantitative and part active. You know, so the quantitative part says, you know, this is not so great, and then the active part says, wait a second, you can be a little bit more patient. So uh, between those those two layers is how we make all our decisions. Okay. There is a yeah. So ho- hopefully that answers your question. Then. Yeah. So so uh, I understand that you guys have uh, seventy two columns of uh, <laughs> data that that you're analyzing, and then you come up with a rank for each company. Tell us about that. Yeah, that's that's, that's essentially correct for sure. So we have about seventy two uh, descriptor signals, as we want to call them, and these will be, for example, uh, the the quarterly earnings. And numbers that come out of different, different come out of the financial statements. It will be uh, a different frequencies, a quarterly numbers, yearly numbers. Also, the uh, the earnings very important. The earnings uh, estimates uh, get into account and variations on the estimate. And even as we approach the report days, we're tracking how the the dynamics of the movements of the of uh, the analyst estimates and so on, and scoring all of those things. So at the end of the day, we end up with a with a score that characterizes the earnings acceleration that the you know, in, in a way that works for us. It's really easier said than done because, uh, as you know, these, you know, it's not just about looking at earnings and earnings momentum. It's also looking about margins. It's also a look at looking at the the business case or underlying fundamentals, the balance sheet, and so on. So there's a lot that goes into it. So we try to capture the great majority of that uh, with our quantitative systems, and they do a fantastic job of that. They're highly reliable. It's like having a great analyst on the team. And then we couple that with a momentum score, and then, you know, we're playing. That's that's exactly what we want to see. We want to see great companies in the market acknowledging that these are indeed great companies and therefore offering uh, good opportunities for us to invest. On the short side, we look for the opposite. We look for essentially secular negative momentum. Those companies that go on a trend and they don't seem to be able to get out of it, those are fantastic. Those are great shorts. As with the long side, once we get on them, it's not because we want to get on them necessarily early or necessarily late. It's because we believe they're going to be prolonged. They're going to keep going on for a long time. So uh, the majority of our short holdings do come from that. But since the long and the short side are asymmetrical, the opportunity set is not the same. On the short side, uh, we can actually have a pretty broad universe to short from because we actually like to short what we don't like and what other people might not be liking for other reasons. So that includes overvalued stocks. So to give you an example, uh, a stock that has a nine-month momentum that's been growing for nine months or about a year, and it's been going up, up, and all of a sudden it loses our F-score. So at that point, it loses the fundamental support, but the stock is still going up, and that's a good short for us. Okay. Because at that time, you know, we are we want to be, you know, uh, in some sense, be able to come first, of course. Right. So it, so we'd like to short uh, whenever a quantitative system tells us to, and then we use the active layer on top of it to really to use this exercise good judgment and also manage our risk, which is um, one of our core values here. It's really important. Okay. So so tell us, how do you handle diversification among sectors and industries? I mean, it's very possible that the energy sector uh, could have very strong scores for months at a time or the opposite. Okay. But I presume that you're uh, you're also trying to have diversification among various sectors and industries. How do you handle that here with, with your system? Right. Uh, yes. Uh, 
the way that that's addressed is essentially our scores lead the way. Like I said before, you know, if you think about the F scores being a fundamental or a team of fundamental analysts, think of that team providing an opinion about a sector on a daily basis. And, um, you know, if you see, for example, that financials are weak and they offer an opportunity, well, you try to have some holdings in that. But on the other hand, you see that you're really getting paid off for having an IT exposure and that you expect to continue to be paid off for that exposure because the earnings and the growth acceleration is what you want it to be, and the earnings quality that needs to be there is there as well. So uh, in that case, the system is pointing in one direction, like you should be doing, I mean, adding more of these kinds of names, and that's that the opportunity comes up on a, on a weekly basis for us. Then we look at them and say, well, out of all these, which one fit the current market environment best? You know, accounting, for example, the tariff or one of those things or where the Fed is at in terms of monetary policy. So we account for those things as well and try to adapt the recommendations that come out of the quantitative system to the, you know, to the current market reality. So we pick from there. So in terms of sector rotations, it's really the quant system that leads the way. And the, uh, the active layer is really just supervising and making sure that the risk constraints are really adhered to and that it, that it is very consistent because quant system have the uncanny ability to look at, well, at the past, they can't do anything anything else, really. So, um, you know, it has to be coupled with some common sense, and that's what we call our quant active process. Okay. So, so tell us, uh, in what market environment is this strategy designed to work best? Right. So, generally speaking, we expect the strategy to do well in periods of economic expansion. And that's basically because the long short growth is net long. It's 130 long and 30 short, and I'm sorry, 60 short. So um, if you net it out, it's 70% long. So uh, when the, because of this, of course, when the economy is expanding, then we do better. That's not to say that we do not play on when things get rough. And for example, last year, things did get rough. And this strategy, the long short growth, delivered a 10.28% return over the year. And over the last three years, despite the fact that it has a hedge, uh, a partial hedge, we have been able to outperform the S&P 500. So uh, for, we're very proud of that. So so tell us, Francisco, what misperceptions uh, do you see by investors and advisors in this space that, that you try to overcome? Right. Uh, one of them is the belief that growth only comes from companies like Netflix and Apple. You know, and if you look at earnings acceleration, not just the growth rate, the growth rate, for example, if it's 10% is below that of the S&P, but a company with a growth rate that is less than the market might still be accelerating. And by that, I mean that it might be going from a 2% growth run one quarter and look at it over a year, yearly, year over year quarter, it might go from 2% to 6% to 12%. So uh, in the process of, you know, uh, of, of its growth in its maturity phase, you can see that it's, uh, the earnings are actually accelerating, but the growth level itself can be pretty uh, can be below market. And I think people, by ignoring that, they ignore that companies like Campbell Soup, Bank of America, and even Clorox, they all go through all these phases where they have a new product, uh, they're getting market share, they're looking good, and all of a sudden their earnings and revenues accelerate. And we like to pick them up at that point. And uh, you know, but it's 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 a little bit different than just looking at the traditional growth companies, you know, the Netflixes and the Apples and the uh, NVIDIAs and so on. We, we are a lot broader than that, and it has its advantages. Uh, when the market goes a little sour, then, you know, we can legitimately claim that we have uh, some defensive stocks in the portfolio, and that's what we try to do because it, it helps us control the risk as well. 
Okay, so so who are the people that buy? Well, well, first of all, let me ask before I forget, what uh, what's the structure of it? Is this a mutual fund, a separately managed account? Uh, what's the structure? Right. So for the long-short growth strategy, it is currently available as a separately managed account. We have conversations about taking it further, but that's where we're at right now. Okay. And uh, who invests in this and why? Are we talking about family offices? Are we talking about the retail investor? Uh, what are the characteristics? What are they looking for when they invest in this? Sure. In particular, for our mutual fund product uh, like COGX, we primarily focus on the advisor market. And we work with investments advisors to find the right allocation of our growth, my long-short growth uh, products in their portfolios, you know, helping with the asset allocation to provide guidance. And that's, you know, and helping with the, uh, you know, with the classical debate between ETFs and going passive and active and how to fit them in. So we try to provide some guidance with that. And uh, so our, it's basically the advisor market that we are addressing at this point. Okay. So let's change the subject just a little bit and get a little more general here, Francisco. You have a a breadth and depth of of, uh, knowledge and experience in the world of investing. From an analytical point of view, what is the best advice that you've ever heard, read, or received about investing? Right. I would say... uh it's one that has heard many times before, but I, you know, people tend to forget it when they really need to remember it. It's really do not time the market, stay invested. <laughs> By far. Yeah, well, that's certainly been the case for the last uh, nine years here, and uh, hopefully right. it, it continues on for a long time. So, a question we like to ask all of our guests: What keeps you awake at night, Francisco? Uh, well, you know. Uh, not too many things, to be completely honest with you, <laughs> but I, I tend to think about uh, have big macro concerns. For example, uh, the spread of disinformation, tweets challenging the international trade system and things like that. You know, those things have served us well. So uh, sometimes I think we like appreciation for those things. So that does keep me up at night a little bit and especially thinking, you know, in what kind of world my kids will live in tomorrow. So uh, I like the world that I'm living in. I, I wish it continues. Uh, no question about it. It's a it's a great place, but uh, we're leaving our kids a lot of debt. But that's a uh, that's a, an issue for another day here. So, what book on investing would you recommend for our listeners, Francisco? Great. I actually uh, like to recommend two books if that's okay. Hey, that's great. We'll take them. All right. So the first one is Mastering the Market Cycle, and this one is by Howard Marks. He's the co-founder of Oak Tree Capital Management. And it's a brilliant book. It's highly readable, um, and it describes market cycles. And as you were, uh, all kinds of micro cycles, psychological cycles, the earning cycles, whatever you name it. So it addresses the overall phenomenon of things that go up and down, you know, in an economic context. It is highly readable, so that's one of them. Uh, but before you move on, Howard Marks is great. Uh, I've read him. He is a very clear thinker and writer, isn't he? Yes, he is. Very clear mind here, and anything his, he writes is is uh, worth reading. So thank you for recommending that. Go go ahead. Oh, you bet. Yeah. And then the second book I would like to recommend is The Dark Side of Valuation. And this one is by Ashworth de Madron. He's the professor at NYU Stern. And this one, he is actually an evaluation expert. So this is not about debating about growth and value or any of those uh, classical cocktail conversations. It's not about that at all. It's really a very thorough treatment of how, you know, uh, the economy has changed and the companies have changed and how Sometimes those overly simplistic models from the past are n- not necessarily the uh, the right way of looking at the world at the valuations uh, going forward. So he provides some ideas and some examples and 
it helps explain, for example, the Amazons of the world, you know, and, and so on. And maybe why Warren stepped in and bought some, you know, that kind of thing. Hey, well, thank you very much. We have not had that recommended. For our listeners, uh, g- g- give us the title and then spell at least the last name of the author, will you? Sure. So it's The Dark Side of Valuation, and this is by Aswath Damadran, and the, uh, his last name is spelled D-A-M-O-D-A-R-A-N. Okay. Great. Well, thank you very much. That is not one uh, that we're familiar with at all here, and we really appreciate that recommendation. So for Great. those who would like to know more, Francisco, give us some contact information, will you? Sure. Uh, you can find out um, many things about that as our website. That's uh, Cognios.com. So that's C-O-G-N-I-O-S dot com. Okay. And Cognios, uh, where'd you guys come up with that name? Sounds Greek. It is. And it has those roots about uh being cognizant and understanding and really getting to the heart of things. And we, we certainly try to demonstrate that in the way that we structure our products. Okay. So final words for our listeners here, Francisco. Okay. Uh, equity markets could go, go up over time. Stay invested and ignore the noise, you know, and, and please work with your financial advisor to address any concerns. Okay, Francisco, thank you very much. We really appreciate you sharing this with us today. Our best wishes to you and Cognios Capital for continued success here. Thank you very much. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you very much, Charlie. Again, we've been talking with Francisco Bideau, Head of Quantitative Research and Portfolio Manager for Cognios Capital out of Leewood, Kansas. You've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio. We'd love to have you contact us at info at strategicinvestorradio.com and have you go to our website to hear podcasts of all of our interviews and shows, strategicinvestorradio.com. I'm Charlie Wright, wishing you an enjoyable week and productive investing. Strategic Investor Radio is a production of OC Talk Radio and is provided for educational purposes only. Content of this program and the views of the guests should not be considered as recommendations by OC Talk Radio or investment advice from the host Charlie Wright or any other entity attached to this production. Investors should always consult qualified financial, investment, tax, or legal professionals prior to investing. 